So as we start off today, I'm going to say what may start off as a controversial statement. That all Scripture is God's Word, but not all Scripture is equally applicable. Is not as easily understood of like, oh, that's what God's trying to say. I would love it if Scripture was like a magic eight ball that I could just like shake whenever I had a problem, right? And I'm like, okay, God, should we buy this house or this house? And then I shook the Scripture, and I opened it up to a page, and I'm like, oh, now the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. That doesn't help me, right? That's not how Scripture works. Now, there are certainly parts of Scripture where you can read, and it's more directly applicable, right? So when Jesus is doing the Sermon on the Mount, and he's teaching on things like worry, or money, or anger, or family, or prayer, and Jesus says to do something, it's really easy to understand, oh, Jesus wants me to love my neighbor as myself. Direct application. But when you're in different genres of Scripture, different parts of the Scripture, it's not quite that easily accessible, of what are you trying to say to me, God? And yet, it's equally God's truth. It might just take a little bit more work to get there, and that's what we're going to see today in the story of Jacob. Because we've been hanging out in Old Testament narrative, and if you guys haven't had an opportunity, we have these How to Read Your Bible bookmarks. And on one side, it's got some questions you can ask while reading Scripture, and we'll actually ask those questions at the end of the message. But on the back side, has every genre of scripture. So when you're going through different books of the Bible, it gives you a little bit of an orientation to understand, okay, how do I read this particular book of the Bible? And when we're talking about Old Testament narrative, we're talking about a story of a creator God, right? So Adam and Eve and God creates the entire world. Humanity's original purpose, a rebellion, when we told God, you know what, we got our own ideas and the consequences of sin and that rebellion. And then ultimately, and this is the big thing, God's never-ending pursuit of humanity, of seeking after us even when we are running away from him, even when we're not acting like we should, even when we're hurt or we've hurt other people, it's a story of a God who is for us. And so we've been looking at Jesus' dysfunctional family tree, and uh, AJ and Luke uh, mentioned it last week. I like to say my family puts the fun in dysfunctional, and I thought growing up I was unique in that. But I'm a pastor now. I I know most of y'all pretty well, and I can say pretty confidently that all of your families put the fun in dysfunctional too. And and sometimes we can laugh about it, uh, and sometimes it's still like, no, Josh, that's still too, too raw, too close. And I do want to just make mention of that with the story of Jacob today. Uh, We're going to laugh a little bit. There are parts of the story that are just really funny. But if there are parts of the story where you're like, Josh, that still hits too close to home, that's natural. Because we weren't designed for sin. We weren't designed to be hurt. When God originally created mankind, it was supposed to be good. And then an unnatural thing happened to us. And so when we're hurt, when we're damaged, when there's brokenness, the natural response is to be like, that's not right. And you're right. It's not right. And so as we go through the story of Jacob, if that's what you're feeling, it's okay. Just know that you're not alone. And I promise you the good news at the end of the story, the truth that we are going to get to once we get through the end of it is going to be good news for you. It's going to be good news for your family for some of your past hurts. So let's, let's dive into the story. But before we do, a little bit of homework. 
Uh, two weeks ago, or last week, AJ talked about the story of Abraham turned Abraham. And this is really the start of Jesus' family tree. So yes, there's Adam and Eve, but typically we say the God of Abraham, the God of this promise. And, and AJ went through that promise in Genesis chapter 12, and I want to go back to it, but I'm going to highlight one different verse than he did. So if you're in your Bibles, you're going to turn back just a couple of pages uh, to page 13 if you've got the ones that we're all using. And the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will bless you and turn you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Last week, AJ had us underlined that first part, which was great. And he had us right next to it, promise. Awesome. But it goes on, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples of the earth will be blessed you. This week, I want you to underline that specific verse. Because what that verse is getting at is a promise of Jesus. You see, this is Jesus, uh, God's plan of how he's going to fix the whole world seated in the line of Abraham. He tells Abraham, hey, you're going to become this great nation. You, childless man, one day your descendants will be so great, they will be this massive nation which is awesome, and it's a promise, but it's a promise with a purpose, and the purpose is that one day all humanity would be blessed through him, and that is directly connecting to a promise of Jesus. So you can actually put a cross right next to that because what Abraham is getting promised is going to be a blessing to all of us, and what we all know is in the Messiah, Christ. All right, so that's Abraham. Well, Abraham needs to have kids for this nation to happen. So Abraham has Isaac, and then Isaac has Jacob. But the thing with Jacob, and this is crucial to understanding the story, this is not a moral story. This is not a how-to-live story. This is not Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount saying, be like me. We read the Bible like, okay, so I'm supposed to be like Jacob. No, don't be like Jacob. I mentioned it in uh, the beginning, but Jacob's name literally meant to deceive. That's how bad he was. That, that's how this story starts off. And so it's not Jacob's story, it's God's story. And how God pursues and is faithful to Jacob, even when he's choosing the wrong thing. Or when someone is hurting him, God is still faithful. And y'all, that is good news for a broken church. There's going to be a couple things you're going to write, all right? This is not okay. You can write that in the margins. You can write yikes. Or if you're like me and you're not great at drawing, you can also do this. There's going to be a lot of this, all right? So for the next five, seven minutes, just get ready to be like, ooh, that's like reality TV show. Yes, it is, right? But that's okay. Because our God can handle even reality TV show level brokenness. All right, so we are going to do a very high overview. We're not going to read through every single one of these stories. I could literally spend the next 40 minutes just reading through these stories. But I do want to do a high overview so we can get to our scripture reading today. So we're going to start off in Genesis chapter 25. That's on page 29. So Isaac, this is the son of Abraham, prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife. This is verse 21, because she was childless. And the Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. And the babies jostled within her. 
And she said, well, why is this happening? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And I love this because God actually answers her. He says, two nations are in your womb and two peoples are from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. And when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first came out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. And after this, his brother Jacob came out with his hand grasping at Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. Jacob's birth and name are going to foreshadow the rest of his story. Right? Grasping, fighting for what he thinks is his in whatever way possible. And y'all, Jacob's story is our story. That's all of us in some way, shape, or form, right? I got to fight for my own. I got to fight to make sure I'm protected and mine are protected. That is the story of Jacob's life. And that deception, that winner-take-all, is going to foreshadow his entire story arc until Jacob meets God and is renamed. So, So how bad does that story get? How much of this is not okay or yikes or just gets? Well, let's, let's do a quick recap. All right. It starts off in Genesis chapter 27. Clearly, his parents are playing favorites, right? So if any of you grew up and there was a favorite child, maybe you were the favorite child, maybe it was the other one that was the favorite child, you and Jacob's family have a lot in common. And Isaac loved Esau because Esau was like the manly man. He would hunt and he would make these awesome stews. He would go out and provide. Well, Jacob, it says, would stay at the tents. So he'd stay with his mom. And so Jacob was kind of a mama's boy, and, and Isaac was the manly man, right? Or Esau was the manly man. But Esau was older. So Esau was supposed to get the inheritance. Jacob knew this. Jacob's mom knew this. But it got so bad that when Esau was blind, they played this trick on him where they literally put Jacob in Esau's clothes so he smells like him. And they put on goat's fur on his arms so he looks hairy. And it really confuses Isaac. He's like, you don't sound like Esau, but he's old, he's frail, and he just wants to pass on his blessing. And so he does this. Jacob ends up stealing Esau's blessing. And go figure, the manly man is not okay with this. Right? So Esau's response is like, as soon as dad dies, I'm killing my brother. Right? So this has literally escalated to quite severe levels. Right? And if that wasn't bad enough, uh, it ends with some not-so-subtle racism about in-laws, where Jacob's mom, one of the reasons he does, she doesn't like Esau is because Esau married foreigners. And so you get this conflict there of she's like, I don't like those people. Right? This is a broken, messy, messy family. This is a family that is hurting people and has been hurt. And what we see in Scripture is hurt people tend to hurt people. That is humanity's story. So we have a broken family. We have Jacob fighting for his own, fighting all these different things. And he ends up having to flee. And even while all that's happening, we have our first promise from God. God's promise to Jacob. It's found in Jacob, or, uh, Genesis 28. If you want to turn with me and, and tell me if any of this sounds familiar. 
There above it stood the Lord. This is while Jacob is fleeing. And he said, I am the Lord your God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, and I will give your descendants the land on which you are now lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, and I will watch you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. You can underline that promise. The same promise that God gave to Abraham would pay forward to generation, to generation, to generation, regardless of whether or not that generation was faithful to him. That Jacob's own deception, that Jacob's own brokenness, the problems he created with his own best thinking that led to all kinds of division in his family, him having to flee and run away, God is still faithful. God's promise that through your line, a Messiah will come and all people will be blessed through you. What we see in the story of Jacob is a God who is faithful even when we are not faithful. As we sang just a couple of minutes ago, great is your faithfulness to me, period. Not great is your faithfulness to me when I have all my stuff together. Not great is your faithfulness to me when I'm on my way to church and I'm rightly centered and I didn't honk at the guy in front of me and I didn't get into an argument with my spouse on the way and, and this is going, no, 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 just great is your faithfulness to me, period. That is the story of God throughout the entire Old Testament. That is the story of Jacob. Now, if that was it, like, okay, great story, Josh, totally makes sense. Glad Jacob got his act together. No, that is not the story. We're still in the this is not okay, yikes part of the narrative. So we're going to continue on. All right, Genesis chapter 29. Jacob finally gets a taste of his own medicine. Jacob ends up living with one of his relatives, and he falls in love with one of their daughters, Rachel. Oh, it's this beautiful love story. And he sees her, and he's like, oh. Can I make her my wife? And the father's like, yes, you can make her your wife, but you got to serve me for seven years. And Jacob's like, I am so in love with this woman. Absolutely. And so he faithfully serves for seven years to marry Rachel. Everyone's excited, except the father had two daughters, Leah and Rachel. And so the father decides, you know what? Leah really needs to get married too. So somehow, and my guess is alcohol is involved here, because the wedding happens, they send Jacob into the tent, and Jacob wakes up, and he doesn't find Rachel laying next to him, but Leah laying next to him. And he's like, what the, no, what, what happened? And she's like, oh, my loving husband. She's like, no, none of this. The deceiver is deceived, and he goes to his father-in-law, and his father-in-law is like, well, in our culture... You have to marry the first one first. Like, but I want Rachel. I said, like, we can still have Rachel, but you have to serve me another seven years. Right? Jacob is deceived. He gets a bit of his own medicine. But as you can probably imagine, this new dynamic, two wives that are sisters, doesn't go over particularly well. Uh, and that relationship starts breaking down. That relationship is full of hurt. And in that time, a woman was very uh, largely considered uh, what they, oh gosh, I am like, there are landmines all around me. Childbirth was very important. Um, and so both of them wanted to have children. 
and Rachel couldn't have children, and Rachel was the favored wife, but Leah could have children. So they get into this competition of who can have the most kids. And so Rachel's like, well, I can't have kids, so have my servant have kids for you. This is Abraham all over again, right? This is the Sarah Hagar story all over again. But then that works. And so Leah's like, well, no, you take my servant. So like Jacob's getting all of these wives, but it's clearly not going well for him. He's not enjoying this experience. Just brokenness. Yikes. This is not okay. And then it all ends with Jacob realizing, I've got to go back home. And so he ends up stealing from his father-in-law. And go figure, his father-in-law isn't okay with this. It's the story of sheep and uh, mating and all this kind of weird stuff that happens. But long story short, Jacob cheats the system, so he gets the strong sheep and his father gets the weak sheep. And, And go figure, that doesn't end particularly well. And in fact, in Genesis 31, page 38, you have this. Jacob heard that Liban, his father-in-laws, that his sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father has owned and has gained all his wealth from what belonged to our father. And I love this line. And Jacob noticed that Liban's attitude towards him was not as it had been. Yeah, you think? You stole my stuff. And you're still hanging out with me. No wonder why. And yet, what do we see? That God is still faithful. Then the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. God is still cleaning up Jacob's mess. His deception, his hurts, the way that people hurt him and his brokenness. Jacob's story is of a broken family and of broken people who live in a broken world, and it's not a moral story, so go out and deceive as much as you like because God is going to be faithful to you. No, God will be faithful, but there are consequences to our sin. There are consequences when we hurt people. There are consequences when people hurt us. So it's not that story, and yet God's faithfulness is still there. And so he tells Jacob, he's like, all right, it's time to go home, which sounds great. All right, Jacob's finally going to get to go home. Problem. Uh, Esau uh, definitely still wants to kill him, right? The last time he saw his brother, he had stolen his birthright. And so Jacob is freaking out about what he's supposed to do. Jacob is freaking out about, like, I'm going to show up, and my manly man brother is going to show up with all of his men, and they're just going to murder me. And so he sets up, as Jacob would, this really elaborate plan where he gets all of his people together, he gets all of his stuff together, and he starts sending them out in waves to convince his brother not to kill him. And so every wave goes out and essentially just says, Esau's amazing, we love Esau, here's some stuff. And then the next wave comes out, Esau's amazing, we love Esau, here's some stuff, right? And so the plan is, I'm going to bribe my brother not to kill me. And so it's the night before Jacob meets his brother, that this really weird story happens. And at the beginning of the story, it's just Jacob wrestling with some dude. You're like, okay, I mean, that kind of fits in Jacob's story. But why is this such a big deal? Why is the name change such a big deal? Well, let's, let's reread it again, and, and I'll explain to you why this next part is such good news, not just for Jacob, not just for the coming Messiah, but for me and for you and for y'all online. All right. So let's dive in. 
This is Genesis 32, page 41, if you want to follow along that way. And that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And after he sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. I think we got clicked off the slide, maybe? All right, I think I've lost. There we go. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the sock. Oh, we just bounced a ton of them. All right, we're going to go. I didn't put the right slides in. All right, I'm going to just read out of the Bible. This is even better, guys. All right, that night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jebek. And after he sent them across the stream, he sent all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob so that his hip was wrenched and so that he wrestled with the man. And the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, well, what's your name? And Jacob, he answered. And the man said, you will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because of you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. But Jacob said, well, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Penel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. That is a turn in the story. Uh, Roland, if you can just go to the slide where it's got the underlined. Uh, there we go. Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with humans. God and overcome. Why is this such a big deal? Because names mean something in the Old Testament. Jacob, the deceiver, turns into you wrestle with God. And God decides to name his entire people Israel, those who wrestle with me, those who fight with me. Why? Because God knew the type of people he was going to have to pursue. The good news of this name change, the crux of this, is that every single person in this room, myself included, wrestle with God. I wrestle with God in my relationships of why can't this person just do this thing? I wrestle with God when my finances aren't the way I'm, that I want them to be. I wrestle with God day in, day out. And if the story was God is faithful to me when I don't wrestle with him, I would be outside the story. You would be outside the story. Jacob would definitely be outside the story, but instead the good news is God names his people, you will wrestle with me, and yet I will still pursue you. You will wrestle with me, but I will still send a Messiah to save you. You will wrestle with me, but my Messiah will rise again to give you new life so that you can have a recreated relationship with the Father and with humans that we wrestle with, and a world that we wrestle with. The good news of the story of Jacob is that Jacob's own deceptions don't get in the way of God's faithfulness to him. It took a while to get there in Jacob's life. And yet God's promises, God's faithfulness, God's pursuit would transcend all of Jacob's own brokenness. And y'all, 
That is good news. That is a promise. You can put a cross next to this one because this tells us what type, of, what type of people our Messiah would come and save. Those who still wrestle with him, who still have doubts, who still have struggles. So today, Jacob. And God was faithful to him and to his family. Right? Those of us with the fun and dysfunctional families, we have a faithful God there too. And once Jacob's renamed, it's not like he's perfect, but his story kind of mellows out, which is great. Right? Okay, now he's Israel. He's got a little bit more of his act together. But something that you see in families is typically dysfunction is passed down. Right? For better or worse, you, you can literally see it in the family line, oh, that family member struggled with this addiction, or that family member struggled with this mental health issue, right? And, and you see it passed down. That happened in Jacob's family. In the same way that Abraham and Sarah were broken, Isaac had some brokenness, Jacob had some brokenness, and then you get to his sons, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but Jacob's, one of Jacob's youngest sons is Joseph, and there's some dysfunction there. His brothers are so envious of Joseph, they sell him into slavery, he ends up in prison, wrongfully accused. But eventually God elevates Joseph because God's faithfulness still remains. And when he does, and I want you guys to turn because there's one more verse I want you to highlight because it's one of it's Jacob's son, but this comes from, I'm not renaming that, we got that, decisions, here we go, Genesis 50, this is page uh, 67. I want you to underline verse 20, highlight verse 20, because Joseph's brothers are freaking out. After everything's been redeemed, after they've sold him into slavery, decades have passed, and now Joseph is in charge in Egypt. And they're like, are you going to kill us for what we did to you? And Joseph's response is this. You see, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for the good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. That evil that happened, that evil that may have happened to you in your family or in your past, that hurt, that you're like, that wasn't right. You're right. This is not okay. It's yikes. It's okay to be hurt. And yet, this is the promise, that when humanity intends to harm, God can turn it to good. And, and you wanted to know the most extent of this, as bad as it was for Joseph? Joseph isn't the worst. The worst is Jesus. God sends his son, the Messiah, to heal, to save. And what does humanity do? Thanks, but no thanks. And in fact, you know what? Just to make sure you realize how much of a no thanks this is, we'll kill him. Humanity threw our best shot at God. We killed the Messiah. And what does God do with that action? He saves the whole world. He fulfills the promise that all nations would be blessed through the line of Abraham. That no matter what evil is done, either to you or by you, we have a God who specializes in redemption and healing and love. And he specializes it with people named Israel. With people who still wrestle with him and have doubts and don't always do the right thing and have hurts that have been done to them, a God shows up and says, no, no, I specialize in people just like you. And great is my faithfulness. Period. Amen.